When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are finishing up the bye week for Purdue football. And uh, as such, we wanted to do something a little different. Given that we have played five games on the season, you know, we're not quite halfway there uh, just before it. But we wanted to take a look at what we think of the season so far in the first half of the show. And then in the second half, take a look at where we think the season is headed uh, after those uh, five games have been in the books. We've got seven more to go kind of look at what we think we can expect in the second half of the season. So, um, Casey, before we get started, did you want to take a look around the Big Ten and kind of see what happened this week? And probably the most important game, of course, was the Iowa-Penn State game. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to be very important. Well, not important, but sets up the storyline for next week. Purdue will probably face the number two team in the country, a 6-0 Iowa team that pulled off a 20 victory against the Nittany Lions. Um, Besides that, there wasn't a whole bunch of shock. The ranked teams in the Big Ten carried their weight. Michigan State romped Rutgers. Michigan won a close one against Nebraska. Ohio State put 6-6 up against Maryland. And Wisconsin shut out Illinois because Illinois is still carrying water as the worst team in 10. Yes, they are very bad. That is always, we don't get Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't matter who it is. As long as it's not us, I'm fine with it. 
But now, now next week's game against Iowa, which, as you said right before the call, will be an ABC 3.30 after delight. That's going to be a lot of spotlights on our program. Our record doesn't look terrible when you look at it. So there's going to be, you know, some intrigue about Brom Stills to carry a little more national weight than he has least. So it could definitely be uh, probably the most hype game of the four yeah, when it comes yeah. to national. Yeah, and- Brom, for whatever reason, has done great against Iowa. I believe he's beat them three times um, in his tenure at Purdue. But one thing Purdue does have going for it as they head into next week is Purdue is currently on a one uh, one game winning streak against the number two ranked team in the nation. Uh, because, of course, that was what Ohio State was ranked in 2018 when we uh, knocked them off 49-20. And uh, clearly that means everything and we have nothing to worry about. And Purdue will win. Purdue will win forty-nine to twenty against the number two team in the nation. You can just go ahead and book that. I mean, we're pretty much the exact same team as that team from <laughs> exactly. forty exactly. years ago or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, that was three years ago. Thank you. It feels like forty. Well, you know, you're old, so. <laughs> oh no, wait, it's the opposite. I'm the old one. So, um, one thing uh, to look at. You know, we talked about it beforehand. The rankings obviously are not out yet, but we assume because Alabama lost, we assume that Iowa will move up to number two. Uh, they were number three, and they beat number four, Penn State. Um, and we we were saying before we started recording that uh, if we both had ballots uh, coming up in this next week, we would probably still both rank Alabama number one. Yeah, they're the best team. I... Like. They, you know, they lost the game. They lost the game to an unranked team. So, of course, you, you got to knock them down. They won't be number one. But uh, I think we both are in agreement, and I think the majority of the country is probably in agreement that Alabama is the best college football team right now. Yeah, the idea of variation or, you know, sneaky plays in college football or new eras, it's all a sham. It's yeah, all I a mean, mix yeah, Well, yeah, for now. I mean, it seems to go in cycles. I mean, when I was in high school – it was nothing but USC was winning again and again and again, and then USC fell off, and now it's Alabama. I mean, you will see a team will fall, likely when they lose a coach. Um, you know, USC lost Pete Carroll, and then they fell off the face of the earth, and uh, eventually Nick Saban will walk away from Alabama. So uh, that will probably hurt them for a little bit, and then, you know, they'll find a way to come back because they always do. Um, but, you know, it's just it's interesting to see what's going to happen in the rankings. Um they'll probably still be in the top five, I would think. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, people are going to fall that much for it. You know, anything substantial change. Um, With Michigan State's win, I will say, you know, we're going to look ahead to the schedule. That's three top 10 Big Ten opponents, potentially. For whatever that matters, there is some top-end talent, and they're all headed ahead of them. Yeah, yeah, the second half of the schedule is definitely much tougher than the first. So looking at where we are now, obviously Purdue sits at 3-2, and 1-1 one and one in the conference, and uh, we're on a three-game streak of scoring only 13 points. Um, we <laughs> lost lost 13-27 to 27, uh, to Notre Dame at Notre Dame. We beat Illinois at home 13-9, and then of course lost uh, this most recent week to Minnesota at home 13-20. to So the offense has has not really been carrying its weight. And to me, that's really the story of the first half of the season. It's what stands out the most to me because it's something that we did not expect to happen. Um, you know, we all thought the offensive line was going to struggle coming in, but I think the assumption was Jeff Brom could could find plays uh, and find schemes to get around that weakness, um, keep defenses off balance, and allow maybe that offensive line to grow into itself. I know we had a lot of you know medical retirements from the offensive line, and I'm sure you know that's not something you can plan for. That's not something you can recruit for. Um, 
when you have so many of them happen at one time. But to me, the inability of the offense to score points in pretty much the, you know, all but two games, one against Oregon State and one against UConn, who, who is laughably bad, uh, has really been what has stood out to me throughout the first half of the season. Casey, uh, what to you is the main storyline that that has surprised you the most? Yeah, I think when you look in the micro, it's definitely the offensive ex- execution. I think the big thing when you when you kind of you know step back and look at the whole those losses to Minnesota, losses like that where you pretty much had the game at least within shooting distance the whole time. Those losses only get worse the further along. And I feel like we both, you know, we've been pretty pessimistic overall. We would be feeling a lot different going into this Iowa game if we had a four and one record. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it it turns it into a whole nother season. Like all of a sudden, I I mean, technically previous outcomes don't change what's going to happen in the future, but all of a sudden you're looking at if we just win the games we're supposed to win and maybe knock off one or two, get an upset that, you know, we have been pretty good for the last few years. You're looking at a seven, eight win season. Yeah. And there's no one here, not not even me, who's been, you know, raging against this team all season. You can't talk about anything except that being a huge success if that Minnesota game goes different. Yeah, it's, it is it is crazy how one game can truly change uh, the perception of, of, a, of a football program. Yeah, and I mean, that's uh, those one games can literally be, you know, we've heard some rumors that potentially the Purdue Athletic Department could consider moving on if this season is uh, a major disappointment. Yeah. Uh, I don't think... I don't think we're in faith. I don't think a lot of, I don't think those are what the odds are that even if we do look bad, that we're going to pay up that much money, but that one win or loss could be the difference between that being a legit conversation or not. Yeah. And that changes the entire arc of the program. Because even if you don't think Brahms is starting over is starting over and there's no way to do that cleanly. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that everyone clamors for when things go bad, well, I guess there's two things. They always clamor for the backup quarterback which is what we, yeah, which is what we've seen with with Plummer um, struggling to ignite the offense, and then AOC comes in, and he again, does, you know, has the same problem. But in addition to the backup quarterback, everybody always wants the coach fired when things aren't going right. And there are circumstances where that is the right decision. You know, when you've given a coach an opportunity, he's been able to bring in his people, and he just can't get it done. I mean, firing Daryl Hazel, I don't think anybody looks back at that decision and says that was the wrong decision. <laughs> That, I mean, that was clearly what needed to be done. A change needed to be made. Um, the program was more abound. The program was in, in in the worst position I can recall in my lifetime. Um, I mean, the guy just couldn't couldn't win a football game. So no but, one doubts that that no one doubts that that was the right decision. But you you aren't always in a situation where it's Hazel and you have to get somebody who's competent. You could just be pulling the trigger on someone who you haven't given enough time or who you haven't given the resources to. And you just never know that in the moment. You think you do. You have all the, the. You think you have all the data. You think you've you've looked at it from every angle. But you can never truly know when it's the right time uh, to get rid of a football coach. No, because there's some people that think Danny Hope should still. Yeah, yeah. I'm not one of those people, and I think the fact that he hasn't landed offensive line coaching job since he got out kind of confirms that for me. But you could argue talent wise, he put better product on the field than I, almost anyone we've had since Tiller consistently, at least. Yeah. I mean, he, he certainly would have, would have been an upgrade over Hazel, you know, um, the change from, from hope to Hazel was disastrous and set the program back. And I think when you're looking at the decision of whether to keep Brom or whether to let Brom go, um, you know, 
at the end of the season. I think you have to keep that in mind. It's not a sexy opinion, but I think Brom be given the opportunity to continue to build this program, even if we end this season five and seven or four and eight. I think he still deserves the chance to continue to bring in his guys and and build a program that I think, if given the opportunity, you know, he he can build. But it's never it's never what people want to hear is, hey, we need time to get better because you only get one season a year, you get 12 games. And for the rest of the time, you just have to hope that everything is going right behind the scenes. And there's really no way for us to know for sure if the things that we need to get done behind the scenes are actually being done. Yeah, it's just like, it's way too early to have this conversation. We're not in anywhere close to a place where we're calling for Brahms. We need to have that conversation. That just speaks to how important that one Minnesota game is. There's there's too few college football games yeah. and too much at stake to give up games that you should win, especially when you know it's on the heels of you making a big choice. He made the choice to go to AOC, and at least for the Minnesota game, didn't really work out. And you only get so many, so many softballs in the Big Ten conference schedule, and we needed the Illinois, and we needed the Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we said earlier, the the schedule only gets tougher in the back half. So if you're trying to to pad your stats and, you know, puff yourself up and maybe change the mentality in the locker, you need to win the games that you should win. And regardless of the fact that Purdue lost, that was a game they should have won. And like you said, with Brom making the the decision to change quarterbacks for that game, it, it puts a little more weight on it being his choice and his decision and ultimately, you know, you can look at it as his loss if, and this is a big if, if you believe that quarterback play was one of the reasons we lost that game. Clearly it wasn't great, but yeah, we had a few different instances that just, it was a disappointing game. And it's disappointing because it caps our ceiling. It makes a bowl game much harder. I'd say we might as well start looking ahead, I would say here, because we got Iowa number three on the road, big time ABC game. I, I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I don't personally. either. And I think... I mean, Michigan State comes to Ross Aid on November 6th, and then we go to Ohio. Those yeah, go- are... going to Ohio State, never going to be easy. I'm just going to mark those three as losses. So we got four other games. That's it on the table. Wisconsin, at Nebraska, and then we host Northwestern. We need three of those four to go our way. Uh, I will believe that we will beat the Badgers when I see we beat the Badgers. Yeah, yeah. That So before we get too deep into the second half of the schedule, let's take a break. And then we will kind of talk about what we can think of the team going forward. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So before the break, Casey was talking about uh, the remaining schedule, and he specifically mentioned Wisconsin. And obviously, Wisconsin has been the the death knell for this program for a long, long time. Purdue, Purdue, Purdue has not beaten them, I believe, since the Eisenhower administration. And a lot of people, and you know, on Twitter, in my own family, um, or on the on our Hammer and Rails group chat, are saying, you know, if we're ever going to beat Wisconsin, this is going to be the year to do it. Wisconsin has not looked good. Maybe Purdue can can take Wisconsin out this year. And Again, it's kind of like what we talked about with the last episode about basketball season. I've just been a Purdue fan for so long, and I've seen these Wisconsin games each and every year. And, you know, I was at the 2004 Wisconsin game when it all came tumbling down, and I think that gave me some sort of football PTSD. And anytime I see Wisconsin on the schedule, it's just like, well, that's a loss. Uh, I mean, maybe you feel differently than I do. No, I'm not watching Wiley Coyote and thinking this is the time. Hey, He's gonna you get, can the get road that roadrunner. Road yeah, I no, we are. I, we have consistently just been dominated by Wisconsin in the fashion that Wisconsin wants to dominate. It's not. It's not fluky or we've had bad luck. It's just they run the ball over us. They run the ball over us. Play action and have a wide. Open. Yeah, I mean they they just crush us with the run game. I I know they've struggled. Their quarter play play has been very poor, which is a good theme for us that carries throughout right, the season. Right. That's that's all we've. But just Wisconsin is too dominant at the line for me to feel comfortable that our team, which I think are weak, is definitely the offensive line. I worry about we have a faster defense. I don't know how they're going to stand up against this just wall of NFL offensive ever. Yeah, yeah. So I mean to to give a real number for my Eisenhower administration joke. Purdue has not defeated Wisconsin in football since 2003. They won they won at Wisconsin 26 to 23. Um since then it has been nothing but Wisconsin wins. Now, there have been some really close games in that time. I mean, obviously 2004 it was 20 to 17. Um but then, you know, perhaps most maddeningly was 2 years ago the three overtime loss where it was 47 to 44 where it was one of those, you know, Purdue should have won it in regulation, and then it, you just, as soon as they don't win it in regulation, you think to yourself, oh, man, we, we gave it away, and it's going to it's gonna end like this. And they, you know, Purdue did end up losing, like I said, 47 to 44 in triple overtime, uh, and that was the last game in West Lafayette. So it's just, Wisconsin has just never, <laughs> never been a good thing for Purdue to see on the schedule. And and like I said, until I see a Purdue victory over Wisconsin, it is very tough for me to just sit here and say we could we could take out Wisconsin. Now, 
it's been, I mean, that, it's been almost uh, the entire Afghanistan war. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, keep that in mind. The never-ending uh, war. We There have been uh, four presidents since the last time Purdue beat Wisconsin. So that's great. Um, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's going to be a tough game. I'll say that. No matter how good Wisconsin looks, they do have those big uglies up front, and, and it's going to be a challenge for Purdue. Um, looking at the rest of the schedule, like you said, Iowa is, again, going to be a very tough game. Iowa does not have a great offense. Um, you know, they, they haven't really blown people away that way, but their defense is just punishing. Um, and their defense gets the, the, the ball. You know, they turn the other team over, and that is something that this Purdue defense has not done a good job at. Um, as of now, uh, Purdue only has, I believe, one interception and no fumble recovery. So they, this team has only gotten uh, one turnover. Now, it, it's strange because ESPN lists only one person on Purdue's team having a turnover. Um, they say it's Cam Allen, but then you go down to the bottom, and it says total of turnovers, and it's two for interceptions. So I am not sure um, if I'm reading something wrong or if there's a an issue there, but um, it does only say one interception it says it says maybe zane green has an interception um so it, i guess maybe there's two it must have been against yukon because i think that's the only game he's played in so i don't know there there's either a glitch or we have two but either way not great over five games to only have two turnovers um whereas iowa is just crushing people that way so it's it's going to be a tough row of games you know iowa wisconsin and then nebraska um, Nebraska is a team that hasn't looked, you know, uh, incredible, and they're a team that Purdue could beat. But again, uh, Purdue's got to find a way to put points on the board. And three games in a row with 13 points isn't going to cut it. And I hope Jeff Brom and company have used this bye week to kind of figure out what has gone wrong in the red zone um, and see what, what changes they can make. Yeah, for me, I think it breaks up into – Two differences. How confident do you feel that we could upset either Iowa, Wisconsin, State, or Ohio State? And breaking off that, how confident do you feel sweep Nebraska, Northwest? Yeah, I think on the, on the plus side with the Northwestern game, it's not actually at Northwestern. It's at Wrigley Field. And I have no idea what kind of atmosphere that's going to be nor do I have any idea how the crowd is going to be split between Northwestern and Purdue fans. Um, so that's just going to be a weird situation in general. I know Travis, um, I, and I think Kyle as well, are, are going to that game. Um, so. Travis, of course, a huge Cubs fan. So um, this is going to be like uh, just a great day for him all around, being able to see his favorite football team in the home of his favorite baseball team. What a bizarre situation. <laughs> Like, are you, are are you into all these? uh... No, I think they're stupid. (laughs) Uh, I assume your question is, do you think it's cool that all these baseball stadiums are suddenly holding football games and like, it's quirky and fun? Yeah. No, I think it's stupid. (laughs) So do you like neutral location games at all? If it's in like a football stadium? No, I do not. Because this is college football. You can maybe do that in the NFL. I mean, obviously they do it in in the Super Bowl, and that's fine. But this is college football. To me, the best part of college football is the crowd. You know, you've got the band. You've got the student section. Um, you've got the alumni, the tailgating beforehand. And, yes, you can transfer some of that to these random site games, like when Purdue played Notre Dame in Indianapolis. Um, and I and I was at that game, and it was it was fine, but it didn't feel like a college football game. 
Um, you know, it's desanitized. It's just a, a, a blank, generic football stadium. It's not your stadium. It's not your opponent's stadium. There's not the intimidation factor, um, you know, that you always get if you go to a road game. So I, I don't like it. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm on your same vein, especially because I think the coolest part of game days is college campuses transforming into game day. Yeah, it's yeah, a different it's like a whole feel. Because you know you have to park usually a few blocks away. You walk through usually some housing. People are outside in the lawn drinking out of solo cups. Like that's part of the fun, right? You're yeah. You're you're getting a chance to see other campuses or your campus uh, surrounded by fans, seeing you know all the people walk in plus tailgating. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's one thing if it's like a tradition every year in the same place, but yeah, it doesn't do much for me. People care more about Wrigley, you know, certain people than probably you or I do as well. So, but you also, you just hate stadium. I don't hate stadium. Uh, you, you all have this weird obsession with like, oh, I walk into Yankee stadium, well, old Yankee stadium or, you know, Fenway and I just get goosebumps. It's such a revered building. And I'm like, no, it's, it's a building. It's fine. Yeah, exactly what I <laughs> So I've been to Wrigley. It just smelled like urine everywhere mm-hmm. uh, and was not really a great place to watch a game. In fairness, I went before some of the renovations. It may be different now. I don't know. I've been to Fenway, uh, sat in right field. Uh, I ate a Fenway Frank. It was fine. It, you know, um, I didn't even stay the whole game because it started to pour rain. So I got out of there because it's like I don't really care about – I don't even remember who they played. Uh, that's how much I was paying attention. But, you know, to me – a stadium is a stadium. There's not many that I would. There's not many. There's not many that I would walk in or walk to and go. Oh my god! I can't believe I'm here. Like you and you disagree. I I don't go as far as some of the people that we know. Uh, I don't believe every stadium is hallowed ground, but I think they're cool and I think certain places definitely have a unique atmosphere, especially college. College sports, especially. It, and the main reason you know that some places are different because I've been to like Ohio State for a basketball game and just I've never experienced a worse experience. <laughs> like the place is just dead and no one cares. And right. so I think when you go to a bad place, you can really tell a difference and appreciate, you know, your Mackey Arena, your special establishment. I, I'm borderline on both, but regardless, well, I mean, it's not a true away game, I guess, right. with Northwestern, yeah. like you said. I, it, it still comes down to are we a good sweep and win all the theoretically say, I guess we should win? Right. Yeah, and, and in the past couple of years, you know, Purdue hasn't beaten Indiana. They've lost close games to Northwestern. Nebraska has taken them down. So the, it's not as if these are teams that Purdue has beaten year in and year out. Um, and, you know, we're just like, okay, well, we've got some hard games, but we've got these teams we know we can beat. Um, there's really no one left on the schedule, I would argue, that Purdue knows they can beat. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but with seven games left and looking at the schedule – there's a scenario where Purdue loses all seven games. I I don't think personally that that's going to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's really not. um, I would be shocked if we are favored in more than two of our remaining games. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. So when you look at it that way, like it's scary how quickly this could get off the rails. And that is just something that you do have to kind of be prepared for because we're not a talented enough football team to just walk in against any Big Ten. We no. saw that because we could barely handle Illinois. Yeah. And, and again, as we said, Illinois, very bad, very bad, very bad. So 
that's why the Minnesota game hurts so much. Because if you look at that schedule and you think this team only needs to win two games to get to a bowl. Okay, you can talk me into it. But now you're saying we have to win three. And we still have three potentially top ten opponents left. Two of them on the road. Yeah, yeah. And and at the start of the year when we did our outlook at predictions for the for the football season I said my best case scenario was six and six yeah and one of the games that I thought we could win was the Minnesota game now that doesn't mean they can't take a take a game from someone else that I didn't think they would beat as I was looking at the schedule but right now I don't think they're exactly on track for where I was hoping they would be um you know I thought the schedule was soft to start the year and obviously harder as it went on um and that has obviously turned out to be true now each week is, you know, each week is a new week. So we we need to see what what goes on with our team, who stays healthy, who stays healthy on the other team. Because you look at what happened in that Iowa-Penn uh, State game, Penn State's quarterback got hurt, and they brought in this guy who basically Iowa, Iowa had no fear of. So at the end of the game, Iowa had the ball and could kneel. But if they were going to kneel and then punt, they were going to give Penn State something like 35 to 40 seconds. And Ference was just like, yeah, he's not going to do anything. And went ahead and instead of trying to get the first down so they could run out the clock, they just kneeled, put the ball away, and then won the game. I mean, that could you – like, That is The disrespect. Absurd. The disrespect. It's stupid. I, well, I mean, it worked. It didn't work because of – you just got lucky. Well – I don't think they, I mean, it, Penn State's offense was pretty bad once that backup quarterback came in. So, and with so little time left, it was, I think it was a calculated risk, but it, it turned out to work for him. You're Iowa. You can't trust yourself to hand off the ball. It's what you do. Well, yeah, but I mean, Iowa's offense also not great. Again, it's like everybody in the Big Ten, except for maybe Ohio State, can't seem to put an offense together. Yeah. Ohio State just drops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that's going to be a terrifying game, I think especially because they lost one already in the season. Now they're probably just like the only way for us to get back in the playoff picture is to just crush everyone. So, so they're trying to prove a point now, I think. Yeah. Our best case scenario is we can steal two out of the next five games and then only have to win one against Northwestern Indiana, two teams that had way higher uh, predictions going into the season. Uh, They've both definitely fallen off. They don't look nearly as good as last year would have indicated. And then that way we only need to win one of those two. The worst case scenario is obviously get swept those next five games matter, but there is a very real chance that that Indiana game is going to decide whether we go to a bowl or not, which is fun. Yeah but also setting ourselves up for a really bad day. Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like that is where it's headed because I don't see many uh, upsets in the future, you know, against Ohio State or Michigan State or Iowa. So when you take those off the table, you're you're getting down to games that Purdue simply has to win if they want to be bowl eligible. And if we wind up that game at 5-6 and six against IU, like you said, it does make for a fun game, a fun atmosphere, and a real possibility to, uh, to, you know, go out of the regular season on top with a win against your rival that makes you bowl eligible. Um, but depending on where IU is at in the season, you know, maybe they're playing for bowl eligibility, so they've got something on the line, or maybe they are already knocked out of bowl contention, but it gives them a chance to spoil it for us. So you never know how the emotions are going to play out, but I certainly kind of agree with you there that it looks like we are headed that way to maybe a five and six record before the Indiana game. 
Yeah, so it's it's not going to be boring. Um, no, no. It definitely makes the Wrigley Field game more important. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's weird that just being 500 is such a big deal. But I really do think for this program, for Brom, it really is. If he yeah. doesn't get a bowl game, uh, that's going to be pretty damning on all our health. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean there are two things I think that have to be fixed going forward for this team uh, to really make some noise. One is something we've harped on again and again. You have to score touchdowns, not field goals. The red zone execution has to be How about interceptions better. in the end zone? Well, do we know, like those, those? Those are also bad. We yeah. do not like those. However, that does lead me into my second point. The defense has got to start getting some turnovers. Um, you know, they've they the defense, you, you can't fault them for any of the losses. They've done everything they need to do to put Purdue in a position to win, but at the same time if they're going to be the side of the ball that we trust and we can depend on, then we need them to continue to get better. We need them to continue to do more. And sometimes they're going to have to take the ball away and put Purdue's offense in a better position um, because the offense is going to likely need short fields, is going to need uh, to be put in a better field position in order to get to get points on the board that are better than field goals. And we may have to rely on the defense to do that via turnover or, you know, maybe some sort of punt return game would be nice, Um, you know, instead of either a fair catch every time or like a two yard return. We we just we got to do something there on special teams, too. So as far as things to correct and things to improve upon that you think could make a difference for Purdue in the second half of the season. What are you looking at? Maybe one, two, three things. I would like us to do a better job of using our bevy of wide receiver talent to make some big plays. It'll be nice to get Payne Durham back for sure. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. And I I don't know how much more our defense has to offer. Um, they've been playing pretty well. We've also given up some big plays, and I think we've I think we're living on a high wire act with our defense. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have enough guys to take advantage of Karloftis being triple teamed most plays, and because he's getting that much attention, we're really not able to get the pressure that we thought we were going to get from him, just because he is the one that is getting game planned. I think. I think we have to figure out a way. David Bell gets a similar amount of attention on offense. I think we have to figure out a better way of using that leverage that he provides to open up the other side of the field where he's not and using that. Yeah. Use it, use him in a decoy situation Yeah, or at least draw some, draw some defenders to him and then focus on the other side of the field. Yeah. And I think we need to figure out a way to manufacture big plays off of, um, you know, it's going to come down. We're going to have to make plays to beat some of these, especially if, you know, these upstates of Ohio state that we've had the last, you know, few seasons, our defenses come up with big plays, uh, forcing turnovers, like you said, and then, you know, individual efforts like Rondell Moore, Bailey running that pick. We got to have some highlights. We have, we haven't had many. It's pretty much been David Bell and no one. We need to have some playmakers out there, set things up, get a, get a little more excitement. Like we need things to happen because we got to play the upset and you're probably not going to do that. You know, just playing it soft and easy. We're going to have to take some calculated risks and make plays. Yeah. And I think that goes to kind of one of the complaints we've had throughout most of the season is the play calling. Um, you know, Brom wants, wants to put himself in, in a position to win games, but oftentimes, and he'll say this himself, after games, you know, he was too conservative. Um, he wasn't aggressive enough. That was the whole whole mantra of the offseason was this team was going to be aggressive. And I don't know about you, but I have not seen that aggressive nature on offense. And when, you know, you've got players out, I understand, you know, we were missing David Bell. We're missing almost every running back for a week there. Um, you've you've got to kind of 
find a comfort zone and maybe go there. But with players coming back off of injuries, it is time for Jeff Brom to become that gunslinger we hired um, and open up the playbook. And if he's going to put AOC back there, who can throw the ball um, and throws it, you know, a hundred miles an hour every time. We got to use that arm, and we got to make some make something happen. Um, I do want to mention that Marcellus Moore, a guy who I was very excited about to be on the team um, because he is so fast and excelled on the track team at Purdue, um, entered, then exited, then entered the transfer portal again. So he is no longer with the team. So um, that is something I think that is going to not, maybe not hurt. I mean, he hasn't found a place on the team, but. When you lose a guy with that much speed, you you take away one weapon that could have been used. Um, Brom hadn't found a use for him, so it probably won't be such a big deal. But I personally hate to see a guy with that much speed walk out the door. So that's one more weapon that Purdue won't have at its disposal throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes to our talk with Brom in this offense. Have we gotten the best out of all our players and weapons? Doesn't feel like we do. Both. Yeah. Yeah, so that I mean that's one thing that we need to work on and uh I don't I, honestly, you know, people give us a lot of crap when we when we say we want Plummer versus AOC, but at this point I I don't care. Whatever quarterback Brom is going to open up the playbook for is who I want out there. And that seems to be what he's been doing more for AOC rather than Plummer. Again, our preference at the beginning of the year, both of us was for Plummer because we thought he had the ability to move around um, take fewer sacks, and he would make less mistakes. I think we were born out in that. I think that is still true. Um, Plummer has been sacked seven times, O'Connell five times. Now, O'Connell hasn't played as many snaps uh, as Plummer, so you got to take that into account. However, in those seven sacks, uh, Plummer has lost 45 yards, whereas O'Connell has lost 46 yards in five sacks. As far as interceptions go, Jack Plummer, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. Aiden O'Connell, four touchdowns, five interceptions. And when you have an offense like Purdue that lives on a knife's edge and can only put up 13 points, those five turnovers plus at least one fumble lost uh, by him really make one hell of a difference. So um, if it is going to be O'Connell from here on out, he's got to take care of the football. Yeah. Um, I don't think either of us is thrilled with that decision, but hopefully we're going to learn a lot in Iowa. I think, yeah. uh, you know, AOC got to come in against Notre Dame cleanup role. That's a lot easier than starting and playing against a ranked team from the. Yeah. If he can get the offense working against Iowa, clearly there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, this Iowa offense is pretty dang good. Um, we're going to talk more about them in our uh, second podcast of the week that should come out either Thursday or Friday, depending uh, on editing. So uh, Casey, do you have any final thoughts about the rest of the football season, either what we've seen or going forward? No, I mean, we're going to, we haven't had any good answers to what this team is so far. And a lot of that is because we've played games where we were only going to be set up to be disappointed. Uh, I, I think now we're playing a game where no one can expect to win or look that good against Iowa. So I think there is a chance that we might come out pleasantly surprised if we perform well. And that could be a nice little jump shot or a little push forward into the back half of the season. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Casey is predicting an upset. Uh, no! Iowa is going down and uh, we will talk more about that in the middle of the week. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Uh, for Casey and myself, thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate, review, and hammer that subscribe button. We will chat with you later this week, folks. Boiler up. Boiler up.